Welcome, this is Jessica Ortner and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 41. I was really surprised to learn that one out of two Americans have at least one chronic illness. One out of two. And I've had an experience of dealing with a health challenge, and I know, and you may know as well, that the healing journey is not a straight path. It takes determination and commitment and a lot of faith. So how do we keep moving forward on this journey when we want to quit? How do we find the right answers when everyone is giving us a different opinion? We are going to explore this and so much more with our guest, Amy Kurtz. Amy just came out with this new book called Kicking Sick, and she asked me to contribute to the book, and I wrote about tapping in it. And when I got the copy and I began to read, I was so moved by her story. What I think is so important is that Amy has really gone through this. She's been in the pain and the confusion and just the the deep end when it comes to chronic illness. And so when she shares advice about self-care and nutrition, you know it's coming from someone who understands how difficult it is to make changes when we are so overwhelmed with the stress and the worry that comes with a diagnosis. So I love to have the chance to connect with her. And I hope you find real hope uh, from this conversation and a, a few big aha moments. I know I had my own aha moments. Uh, real quick, this podcast is sponsored by my love, my passion, thetappingsolution.com. You can check me out there, and there is a free tapping in the morning and evening for stress relief CD that you can download, and you can learn all about tapping there. So that's thetappingsolution.com. And on a more personal note, if you are listening to this the day it comes out, I am getting married in three days. I'm very excited. So if you're listening to this, I am in Mexico with a lot of family and friends. And uh, I was telling Amy before we started recording how special this podcast is to me and how I feel like it had a part in, in this next chapter that I'm now entering when Nick and I chatted, it was one of the first few episodes, Nick asked me what I was looking for in a man, in a partner, and I did not expect him to ask me that question, but I answered it honestly. And that night, that very night, I met Lucas. How crazy is that? And now we find ourselves almost two years, more than like a year and a half. I don't know how long, but we have um, 
lived together in California. We spent a year there. We've moved here to Connecticut. We got a house and now we are getting married. And through that whole adventure, you guys have been by my side. So I'm so grateful for all of the love and support and the magic that this podcast brought into my life. So I hope that this show brings a lot of magic into your life. If you love this next episode, if you know that someone can really get a lot from it, that it can bring some hope and healing to someone else, make sure that you share it. It's an act of love, so spread the love. Enjoy. Amy, welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much for being with us. I jumped into your book. You asked me to contribute to your book, which was such an honor. And then when I got my copy, I sat with it and I couldn't put it down. And I was so moved by your story that I grabbed my phone and I emailed you immediately saying, you have to come on my podcast. We have to talk about this. I am still shocked by the statistic that one in every two people have a chronic illness. I mean, that is just... It's unbelievable. And you have such an incredible story. So I would love to start by hearing about your story, if you can share um, about your journey with chronic illness. Yeah, so it is a very staggering number. It's one in two Americans have at least one chronic health condition. And I was one of them with many. When I was 14 years old, I had debilitating back pain. So I went from being this really kind of sprightly, vivacious kid to coming home from dance class and getting this shooting pain up my spine, not knowing what it was, knowing that I had never felt anything like it. And then it never went away. So I went from being this kid that would go to dance class and sports class like all my friends and I then was going from specialist to specialist to find out what the pain was. And unfortunately, nobody could tell me what the root cause of the pain was or that it was food related. And so after going to many specialists, the solution was just to put me on heavy duty medication and being heavily medicated. Yeah. So being heavily medicated as a kid certainly makes you identify as sick. And I was on this medicine for 10 years. And then when I was 25, I took a trip abroad. I picked up a parasite infection and my whole body went into a system down. All of the different systems in my body just kind of gave out. My thyroid gave out. My gastric system gave out. I couldn't keep food down or go to the bathroom. I had rashes all over my skin. I gained 30 pounds in 30 days. It was extreme and it was as intense as it sounds. Mm. And it was really scary. And I had to move back home with my parents at 25, which is strange in itself, or it was for me. And I grew up in a Western medicine-based family. So I grew up thinking that a pill solves a problem. And the pills had been masking a problem for a long time for me. But by the time I came home from Israel, I went back to my roots and went back to the doctors that I knew and nobody could provide answers for me. So that's really the journey that led me to seeking out other modalities. Um, I learned in a really profound way that Western medicine is so important, but it's only part of the healing equation. Mm. 
And you got a pretty devastating diagnosis after that trip as well. Yeah, so I found out that the pain that I had had my whole life was celiac disease. And that's a that's an autoimmune disorder where your body can't process gluten and it starts to attack itself. And what's really was profound in the pain I was feeling is that it was my body giving me a signal that something was wrong. But I wouldn't have known that I was a kid and celiac presents itself differently in a lot of people. And for me, it was chronic pain. Two days after I went off of gluten, I, my pain completely disappeared. Oh, that isn't, that's incredible. And wasn't, yeah. wasn't there a point though with your, um, and I'm trying to remember from reading that the doctor told you something about, um, was it, was it something with your colon or having, or, or feeling like you wouldn't be able to just be a regular functioning adult mm. in that sense? I mean, wh- I remember reading that and just feeling so heartbroken and, and imagining what it's like to, to get a diagnosis like that. Or being told yeah, so, that's your future. Right. So I, when I got back from Israel and I had all of these things, these systems in my body not working correctly, I found out about the celiac. I found out about my thyroid and started treating it. And then I still wasn't having any motility in my colon. So I went from doctor to doctor to doctor. And it ended up in probably the fifth person that had said this to me, but I was with my parents in this office and the doctor said to me, listen, I have no idea why it's not working, but it probably won't work again and you should just remove it. You'll be happier. And I just couldn't wrap my head around that. How could somebody suggest removing your colon, which is six feet long inside your body, it's your entire large intestine, and not be able to give you a reason why. And I just felt so devastated and frustrated and alone. I was literally on my knees crying. I just couldn't understand how I was 25 years old and this was so not the life that I had imagined for myself or that this was the third or I think it was the fifth or sixth doctor that had just suggested this because they had no other... um, explanation. Mm-hmm. And so there's not many other ways to feel except for hopeless in a moment like that when you've been on a quest for so long to find the answers to your ailments. Right, right. And one of the things about this idea of looking at healing as a journey is because it's not like here you got this big answer. So finally you realize that this back pain, this chronic pain since you were 14, with celiac disease, which I had no idea that that was even a symptom, that that such physical pain could be because of that. So that was yeah. amazing to have that. Um, and still you felt like your body wasn't completely getting better. And so it took a huge step forward. You discovered something really big, and yet there was more of that journey. And so I can see how how it can feel so exhausting and difficult to feel like you make some progress, but it's not over yet. And there you are feeling this this disappointment and this worry. And I know that many people relate to that moment in the doctor's office where they just feel like they're, they're traumatized and you don't know what to do when you're in that state. So what advice do you have for those who feel like they're going through that now, or they have experienced that feeling of 
just when will this be over that hopelessness? Mm. And I know it's a big question. It is a big question. I have so much to say about it, but I think where I would start is that oftentimes when people are diagnosed with something, they hear that as a limitation or a wound that will not heal or their new reality. And they see that as what defines them. Mm. And I think the most profound lesson that I learned on my windy (laughs) healing journey was that your physical body and your physical ailment, your physical diagnosis is only a part of who you are. And I think when you're kind of in the rat race of trying to heal um, any chronic issue, because it's complex and a lot of doctors have to think outside the box or aren't equipped to deal with the disease rate that's growing in our country, I think people easily feel hopeless because they feel that they are just limited in what the diagnosis is. And for me, the biggest thing that I learned that I would love to give to the people listening today is that your physical body is only a part of who you are. And it, is, it isn't until you can embrace that, that your mind and your spirit have to take care of your physical body and that it's only a part of you, just like your hand, that that's when you can really start to get out from under that hopeless feeling, if that makes sense. Right. Well, you talk in your, you write in your book about creating your own connection to the divine, to God. Is that a part of that process of getting out from under it? I think for me, yeah, getting out from under it is definitely a part of it and believing that there is a better reality for you that you that that you can always flip your thoughts to be more positive and connecting with your spirit is so important when you get chronically sick with anything it's easy to kind of turn on yourself and just feel at war with your body i know that i felt at war with mine since i was 14 and so there were moments where i really wasn't very kind to myself. If I analyzed the way that I was, I always was frustrated with myself. And I think that the first step towards connecting with anything higher is starting to really treat yourself better and treat yourself like a compassionate friend would and get out from underneath your diagnosis and start to shift your beliefs for what is possible for you and sit in stillness. And those are all ways that you can start to open up to a more spiritual life Yes, when you're under something. Amy, what I really love about being able to hear from you is that you have lived this. And so you know how hard it can feel to connect with yourself when you're in the midst of the panic and the fear that comes with chronic illness. And you also know how important it is. So I'm curious from that moment where the doctor tells you, you should remove your colon. How did you move forward from there to continue on a journey that was different? Cause I'm, I'm sure it took some courage to go against uh, this recommendation from a doctor. 
Yes, it was very hard. And I really just had to take a big, long break from all of it. I had been in a throw of spaghetti at the wall stage and see what sticks for so long, trying everything, trying every pill, going to every doctor. And I just was physically, spiritually, and emotionally exhausted when I had that appointment. And I just decided that was not a good enough answer for me. That wasn't the way that I wanted to live. I had no idea where to go, how to move forward after that appointment. And I just took a big break and I let myself cry and grieve and be with myself in a way that I had never been because I'd always been looking for an answer Mm -hmm. and on a quest to get better quickly. And I really let myself process what was happening in the present. I wasn't focused on the past anymore. I wasn't worried about the future. I just let myself be and cry. And after that, it felt like this huge weight had lifted off of my shoulders. And that's when I started to think, I've been doing all of these things and trying everything that everybody else tells me to do. But I haven't been asking myself what I think is right for me. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something that comes up a lot for young people with chronic illnesses. It's almost like you become a victim of your circumstance and you look to everybody else for the answers. And as you can see with my story, and if you read my book, you'll read it, I was looking to everyone for every answer but myself. And it was in that moment where nobody's answers were helping me anymore. So it made me have to deal with myself in a really real way that I never had before. Yeah. That's so interesting because you're right. When we feel panicked and when we want something to change so desperately, we, we're we just running, you know, and if we don't take a time to pause, we can't even listen to ourselves. We can't listen to our intuition. We can't uh, hear from something greater than ourselves. You know, we're not able exactly. to connect. And yet yes. it's it can be hard to do that because we are wired that when we have something we're scared of, we're wired to fight or flee. You know, like that is our wiring. So having this experience is having a really evolved experience um, and it definitely takes a, a lot of trust and it's counterintuitive, right? People just think they should panic and try everything. So... Um, So that is, I mean, for me, just right there, that's a big uh aha of how sometimes we have to stop trying to heal and we have to take a step back and connect with ourselves. Yeah, totally. And for me, it was a lot of really being in stillness and realizing that there's a lesson in everything and slowing down enough to realized that what was happening was actually perfect the way that it was, even though it was pretty horrific in the moment. It taught me one of my greatest life lessons, which is that I have to connect with myself on a deeper level and trust myself. Mm. And so what began to happen when you started to connect with yourself? I mean, so many things. <laughs> Everything changed. There's but, a whole book about it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, for me, I grew up in a Western minded family and it wasn't enough. It wasn't working. So I had to really get in the driver's seat for myself and explore different modalities that were different than the ones I was used to. I had to try out 
alternative treatments that could support my body. I started to create self-care rituals for myself, which are like the bedrock of how I live now. And I started to really take care of myself in a way that I never really learned to. I had grown up, like I said, at war with my body. But Mm. it was in that moment after that appointment where I started to really take care of myself in a different way and realized that if I didn't, I would never get better. I started to meditate. I realized how much stress has to do with our well-being. And when you're chronically sick, I think you're automatically in an allostatic load. You're, you're overwhelmed with stress. And so you have to do everything you can to take the stress out of your system. Yeah. And for me, those are the things that really transformed my whole life. I learned the lesson really clearly after these moments that in order to get well, you have to completely change your life and everything in it. And the way your relationships are, the way you treat yourself, the way your routine is, the way that you relate to your doctors and how you choose them, how you create a team for yourself that supports you. And it really made me realize how much your well-being is is everything. Yes. Yeah. Well, you just mentioned that self-care is the bedrock of what you do. That was a big shift for you. And something that I that I write about in my book, um, I also write about self-care, but in the context of weight loss and how mm-hmm. it's easy to take care of things that you value. Like if you have a car and you like love your car, that car is clean. I mean, we it is easy to love and care for something that we value. But when we feel like our body is betraying us, when we feel like our body is our enemy, it is more difficult. It feels more like a burden. So how, what do you recommend to help us begin to create a better relationship with our body so that we're able to experience more self-care? I talk to clients about this a lot, but when you're physically suffering, you have to think about your body as like a mother-child relationship. A mother would never turn her back on her child that didn't feel well or be impatient with it. She would nurture it and love it and, and, take care of it in a really comforting way. And I think it's important to relate to yourself that way when your body really needs your help. Mm-hmm. And then for self-care, you know, I think that there's always something that you can do to improve your quality of life, no matter how you feel, no matter how much energy you have, no matter what your schedule is like, there's always something you can do. And it's in making these rituals in the day for your well-being, which literally could be as simple as waking up and journaling so that you get some stress out of your body and your mind, or doing a five-minute deep breathing exercise if you don't have time to do a long meditation, or at the end of the day, if you have trouble winding down, taking a hot Epsom salt bath, or reading a really great book in cozy PJs and lighting a candle and having some tea. It could be anything like that, that just something that makes you feel really good to be with yourself. And I think it starts with one choice and then see how you feel. And if you start to love it, you incorporate more into your life. 
Right. I think it's important to emphasize the difference that this makes. Because a lot of times when something seems easy, like relaxing and reading a book, oh, that seems easy. That's not going to help. Because we live in a culture where we believe it has to be hard to get the results that we want, or it needs to be, you know, the more complex it is, uh, the better. And these simple things helped you and continue to help your body. I want to ask you now from that moment when you when you t- talked to the doctor and then when you realized, okay, I need to go within and try different things, I know that a lot has happened, but what transformation has your body gone through? It's been amazing how much I have recovered from what I've been through. I don't have any physical pain anymore. I have more energy than I ever had. I am happier. I... I'm still dealing with a motility disorder in my colon. So just like the readers of this book, I am dealing with a chronic health condition, but I'm thriving through it because I've set my life up for success. I've cleaned up my relationships. I created an amazing, what I call a team of professionals that really support me in getting better so that I don't have freak out moments or feel unsupported if I don't feel well. And I... I can exercise five days a week, and if I don't feel well, I won't do it that much. I listen to myself so much better, but in general, from changing my diet and my lifestyle, everything has shifted. Yes. I love that there's a a section, I think it's near the end of your book, where you have the readers ask themselves, what do you need? You know, like, what do I need? And I thought it was such a powerful exercise because when it comes to moving forward, sometimes we don't stop and just ask ourselves, what what do I need? And how can I set that up? Yeah, it's so important. And it's something that we don't often do is, is think about you're in this complex situation. And if you're young dealing with chronic illness, you don't, it changes every relationship you have and every dynamic you have with the people that you love. And it changes things for them too. And it's important to always step back, whether it's with that or with the doctor you're choosing or with the acupuncturist you might go to see, or just in your everyday life, checking in with yourself and asking yourself, what, what would I need today that would make me feel more supported so that you're always checking in with your inner guide, which I think It's easy for us to look from the outside in, but the key to healing for me and for most people is the inside out. Yes, absolutely. I have uh, something I'm personally curious about. Well, I'm actually personally curious about all of this, (laughs) everything that we're talking about, but um, because I'm learning, I'm trying to learn how to explain this. So for example, I don't eat gluten as well. Um, I don't have celiac, but I have digestive problems when I eat gluten. I I get skin rashes and um, also it really impacts my mood. Like it, like it, I feel depressed when I eat it. I mean, it's huge mood swings. And so Mm. it's something that I avoid and it has completely transformed my, more my emotional health, to be completely honest. I don't think enough people are talking about how food impacts your emotions. And it really has made such a difference in my emotional health as well. And so sometimes people are like, oh, you poor thing, Uh, you can't have this. And for me, I feel this sense of freedom because when I look at something that I know isn't good for me, I just remember how horrible I felt when I was eating it. And so the answer is very clear. 
That being said, I feel like there is a moment in the beginning when you begin to make changes and you realize, you know, this one thing that I used to eat, it really has to be off limits. Like I can't there's no getting around it. It's not good for my body. Like it's making me sick. And I'm not talking about having a piece of chocolate here or there. I'm talking about when you realize that you have an allergy to something or you're overindulging in something and you really need to cut it out of your life. How have you, how do you make those decisions or how do you coach your clients to make those decisions and still feel a sense of freedom, you know, not feel like, oh, my goodness, my my world is getting smaller because I have to say no to more things, but feeling like you're you're actually expanding. Do you do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah, I do. I think so. Tell me if I'm answering it right. I have a lot to say on this subject. I think the first thing to know is that food is medicine and it has the ability to change the biology in your body. So the fact that you would feel depressed or anxious from eating gluten makes total sense. And then when you take it out, you feel happier and better. And for people, a lot of people, food is an emotional thing. And so taking it all away at once, whether it's just a food group or you're totally shifting your diet can feel overwhelming, but it's important to understand all of the amazing things you can bring in that will make you feel more free while you start to eliminate the things that aren't serving you like inflammatory foods, or in this case, we're talking about gluten specifically. So it's important to remember that there's always so much more that you can bring in that will nourish you So it doesn't feel limiting or that you feel like everything's being taken away from you. But I know firsthand, I really struggled. I ate gluten my entire life. I was, I am the processed food generation, as are you. And I grew up eating all gluten all day, all the time. So it wasn't easy for me to give it up. But when I could really understand on a cellular level that it had the ability to change the way that I felt and the way that my energy was and the way that my skin would be and and everything, that it would affect everything, including my moods, it's easier for you to understand how it wouldn't be serving you. And that feels freeing in itself when you approach it from that way. Yes. Yes. And I love that concept of knowing what you can have instead, because I really don't feel deprived. I feel like there are so many options now. And and sometimes the healthier option when you're indulging is a little bit more expensive. And I have no problem with that because I'm indulging. You know, it like it happens once in a while. And it, this is my health care. You know, I'm investing in in my well-being because I know yeah, that's I was going to say it's your self-investment. Yes. Yes, I love and I have to look at it like that sometimes because I think things are getting better where um I, and I hope things continue to get better when it comes to pricing so that you know eating healthy becomes more affordable and I know for example Congressman Tim Ryan it's something that he uh talks about and I think it's something that we need to be more vocal when it comes to reform in the government of being able to subsidize things that uh, can actually make people healthy instead of just sugar and corn. And uh, so I feel like there is a movement happening and I, and I hope it, it continues. So, and with that being said, that's how I wrap my mind around it, that I'm investing in myself. And, you know, sometimes you have to find tricks to make it 
make it all work. So, you know, and like we talk about, it's an adventure, it's a journey. And, um, and I'm so inspired by by your journey. And if I can, Amy, real quick, I have a few questions that I like to ask um, new guests. Okay. Okay. So I (laughs) might know the answer of this to this one. But my first question is what what is something in your life that seemed horrible, but ended up becoming a big blessing? Oh, my gosh. Well, Getting sick at some such a young age felt awful. And most people would look at me and say, oh, you poor thing. Like, you've been through so much. And I really, really have. But the truth is, it's been my biggest blessing because I now was able to create this resource guide for other people so that they know that they're not alone and that they don't have to feel frustrated, isolated, and confused. And that is such an amazing thing to be able to come from something so traumatic and to turn it into something deeply transformative for myself and now be able to help other people do it as well. And I feel, I feel so blessed to be able to give that gift to somebody who is like me when I was 14 or anywhere along my journey. Um, that's been like the greatest, most, the sweetest blessing for me. Yes, and it's an amazing, amazing book. Uh, my next question is, um, what is something that no one would know about you unless they went to middle school with you? So like little Amy, maybe even before 14, what were you into? What would someone know about you only if they knew you then? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was such a tomboy. <laughs> Oh, I, I don't think I come off that way now. And I also, I was a dancer. Like I love to dance and I never did that anymore after. But I think those are my two things. You were a dancer and a tomboy. Yeah. That's both. very cool. I know, eclectic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that wasn't a great answer because they're so opposite, but it's true. Yeah. Well, that's what makes it a good answer. So that's awesome. <laughs> And if you could be any type of animal, any kind of animal, what would you be and why? Hmm. There's two animals I love. I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll let you share two. Okay. <laughs> I would be a lion because they're strong and prideful and resourceful and uh, leaders. And I love how strong they are. And then I also have been so into birds lately because they're free of and in flight. And those are the two animals that I would say I'm I'm would want to be now. I love that. Are you are you a Gemini by any chance? I'm not. I'm Leo. Because you're going for the the tomboy and the dancer and (laughs) the lion and the bird. But that that being said, you can still be a tomboy and a dancer. I don't think they're that exclusive. Um, But just wanted to check. That's so funny. Uh, I have a Gemini moon. Ooh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Well, Amy, where can people learn more about you and where can they pick up your amazing book, Kicking Sick? They can come join me on my wellness revolution at amykurtz.com. Come say hi on social. And Kicking Sick is now available in Barnes & Noble, Amazon, any major bookstores. And I hope that people go get it. And I'm featuring the lovely you. And (laughs) I think 
what you shared is so important and it's such a good self-care practice and I hope that people love it and I'm so happy that you were in it and I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you. I am so happy as well. Um, So impressed with this book and incredibly grateful that you continue to share your story because, you know, with one out of every two adults with a chronic illness, we need to have a bigger discussion about this. So um, your voice is needed and I'm so glad that you're you're sharing all of this. So Amy, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you.